We are in the middle of our study of Exodus, and we're also in the middle of walking through the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. The Lord is meeting with his people at Mount Sinai, and he is giving to them the commands, the laws that are to govern their relationship, God's relationship with his people, as well as their relationship with each other as God's covenant nation. Tonight we come to the fifth command, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12, which says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I pray that your blessing would be upon this time. Lord, as we come to your word tonight, remind us that this is your holy word. This is your eternal word, your unchanging word. And Lord, these laws that you gave to your people so long ago, they're so very applicable to our lives today as well. To help guide us in our relationship with you, as well as in our relationship with one another. So, Lord, take your words, plant them deeply in our hearts, and may your spirit teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we come to the fifth command, honor your father and your mother, one of the very first things that I want us to think about is that this command is not just for children. This command is for every single person in this room. It's not just for children. Obviously, it applies to children in a very clear and direct way. But the application of this command extends far beyond just to children obeying their parents while they're young. And so think about that as we walk through this command together. As we think about the structure of life in the ancient world, whether it's Israel or even some of the other ancient peoples that we see in in history, there was a very clear emphasis on the family structure. And in these family structures, they they were organized around fathers and grandfathers. It was a very patriarchal, hierarchical family structure. And really, it goes back to the very beginning of civilization, in which Adam is the father of the human race. And so society for a long time was, was organized around families. And that was the primary and, and for a long time the only structure of society was the family and the larger clans and tribes. And then even as we move forward into history and we see more elaborate forms of government where larger groups of people form societies and establish laws and, and have rulers Still, the very fundamental building block of all of society is the family, isn't it? So for thousands and thousands of years, the family has been the fundamental building block of human society. So we're talking about something incredibly important tonight. In Philip Ryken's commentary on Exodus, he opens his discussion of this command with this statement. He says, many historians believe that a significant shift in American attitudes toward authority 
took place during the 1960s. It was the decade of the anti-establishment. Young people were anti-business, anti-government, anti-military, and anti-school. But of all the institutions that came under attack, perhaps the most significant was the family. He quotes from another author, Annie Gottlieb, who says that the 60s was the generation that destroyed the American family. She said, we might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. We could get our hands on it, and we believed that the family was the foundation of the state, as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believed that the family had to be torn apart to free love, which alone could heal the damage done when the atom was split to release energy. And the first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. So that's the testimony of somebody who was a part of that movement. That we had to free ourselves from authority. And the clearest and most direct way to do that was to free ourselves from the authority of family. And the authority of parents. And we have seen since that time, in the decades that have followed the 1960s, a continued erosion of authority in the home, in the schools, in government, in the military, an erosion of authority and respect and honor for authority. And I think one of the things that we can see is when honor for authority is is not upheld, then society quickly begins to crumble. It begins to unravel and fall apart. And so we've, we come to this command thinking about the family, but even beyond the family, thinking about the various relationships that we have to different authorities in our lives. And many, many people think that, that this command is the transition from in the Ten Commandments from kind of more the, the first several commands dealing with our relationship with God to the rest of the commandments from here to the end, primarily dealing with our relationships with other people. And I think that this commandment, commandment number five, is in some ways kind of a hinge command between our commands relating to God and the commands relating to people. Because in a sense, our father and mother, they're people. so, So this does govern our relationships with people. But also, in a sense, this command is still related to our our relationship with God. Because God has designated in his sovereign plan authorities on earth to help guide and structure our lives. And so when we dishonor our father or mother, or when we dishonor these authorities that God has established, we're challenging the authority of God as well. And so this, this command is kind of a hinge command between a relationship with God and relationship with other people. And really, they all are linked, aren't they? They're all linked. And so to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind is very closely connected with our love for our neighbor. And it's very, very difficult to do one without the other. And so they're interconnected. I wanna, as we walk through this command, I just want to ask some questions of it. To help us understand, first of all, who is this command addressed to? Who is this command addressed to? Well, we can say, obviously, children. Honor your father and mother. It is definitely addressed to children. So if you're a young person here, this is for you. 
You need to honor your father and mother. What does that look like as a young person? Really, it's, it's more simple the younger you are. As a young person, to honor your father and mother is to obey them. To obey them and to obey them with a good attitude. And to not delay in that obedience. And so as you obey, you're seeking to join the heart with that obedience. So that it's not just an external obedience, but that it's also one that comes from the heart as well. And so the younger that you are, the more simple it is to obey this command. Just obey your father and mother. If you're a two-year-old, don't eat that cookie. That's a simple, honor your father and mother, don't eat that cookie. But the older that you get, it gets more and more complicated and more and more ways to apply this command, to honor our father and mother. And so children, obey your parents. The Apostle Paul quotes from this passage in the New Testament, and that's his application to children. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So obedience of children. But then as we grow up, we see that as we move out of the home, as we get married, there's a, there's a change in our relationship to our parents, isn't there? So Genesis chapter 2 says that it's good and right for a man to leave his father and mother and to cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh, and they establish a new family unit, don't they? But this commandment doesn't go away. So they're a new family. They're not under their parents' roof anymore. They have a new family unit, but they are still to honor and respect their father and their mother. Even now, they are in a different relationship with them because they're out on their own and they have a new family. Older children, adults, are to treat with respect and care for their parents. And one of the primary ways that, that we as adult children can care for our parents is to honor them and to provide for them for their finances and for their health in their old age. That's one of the the most direct applications of this command in Scripture as well as in external extra-biblical literature that the clearest and most direct way for us as adult children to honor our parents is to make sure that they're taken care of in old age to make sure that they're taken care of physically, their health, as well as financially, that their basic needs are provided for. And yet, we're living in a society where more and more we are not honoring our parents in that way. And we get to a point where it's just easy, and and this is across the board in our society, where adult children will say, you know what, let's just send them to a home. It's an easier thing to do. And, and that there may be a situation in which it is necessary to have the assistance of a nursing home or an assisted living facility. But if you're going to do that, at least honor them by visiting them. Visit them and show them the respect and the honor they deserve and come and see them. I was reading one book and he was giving several statistics about the fact that, that more and more elderly are being... Uh, given to nursing homes and fewer and fewer of them are being visited by their families. And so if we do go that route, then let's continue to honor them by visiting them and showing them that we care for them. 
And one of the reasons that I know that this command is not limited to children is because it's in the context of all the other commands, like do not steal, do not murder, do not, do not commit adultery. Who are those commands to? Those commands are to adults, right? So the same people who are receiving the words, do not steal, do not commit adultery, they're also the ones receiving the words, honor your father and mother. So this is a command for adults as well as for children. In fact, one commentator says this, the concern here in Exodus 20 is not primarily with the behavior of children or youths toward their parents, but in particular with the care of the parents when they're older. And so this command is really for all of us, isn't it? It's for all of us, regardless of where we are in our age, whether we're children or whether we're older as adults, this command is for all of us, even if, and we'll see this in in a little few moments, even if we no longer have living parents as adult children. There's ways that this needs to be applied as well. And also, I just want to mention that this command is one for every age. This was given to the people of Israel in the Old Testament, but I think we can acknowledge that the command that the, to, to honor our father and mother is, is a part of God's moral character that is implanted in our consciences, that is really part of the fabric of who we are as a person made in the image of God. And that this, this principle of honoring our authorities, honoring our father and mother, that that, that was true before Sinai, It was true during the reign of the law, during the the time of Israel, but it's also true in the New Covenant era, isn't it? So this is a universal command given to God's people. So who is this command for? It's for all of us, for all time. What does this command mean? What does it mean? The idea of honoring, it comes from the root of to make heavy. To make something heavy. And it's the same word that is often used of the reverence for God. And the glory that is God's. It has the idea of honor, of reverence, of respect, of awe. In fact, this same word in the exact same form is found in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Where it says, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Same word is used in Leviticus 10, verse 3. Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. And so this is an aspect of our honoring of God that is also to be attributed to the authorities that God has placed in our lives honor and respect. Malachi 1 verse 6, as the prophet Malachi is rebuking the people of Israel, he says to them from God, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor that is due me? If I am a master, where is the respect that is due me? Says the Lord Almighty. And so God is to be honored. His designated authorities in our lives are to be honored. And so it's the idea of reverence, of respect. We see in the Old Testament that there were several specific commands 
that were related to this. And I'll just give a few of them. For example, in Exodus 21.17 and Leviticus 29, it says, Do not curse your father or mother. So specifically, do not curse your father or mother. And interestingly enough, that command in Exodus 21.17 and Leviticus 20 verse 9 carries the death penalty. So how serious is God in this fifth command? To dishonor your father or mother is to carry the death penalty under the law of God in Israel. Another way that this was to be honored and this, this was to be applied in Old Testament Israel was to honor the purity and the dignity of family relations by not engaging in incestuous relationships. And in fact, it's tied to that in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, that one of the ways to honor authorities is to honor them in their sexual purity and their dignity. Proverbs 28 verse 24 says, do not steal from your parents. Do not steal from them. As they were crossing the Jordan River, going into the promised land, the Levites led the people in reciting several aspects of the law of God that was to govern their lives in the new promised land. And one of them is Deuteronomy 27, 16. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or his mother. And then all the people said, Amen. And so this is a command to honor. It's for all of us. And it's a command that is to honor and to respect our parents and authorities. But also it's interesting that with this command, there's a promise attached to it, isn't there? There's a promise. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So there's a promise attached to it. And the Apostle Paul even acknowledges this promise. He says this is the first commandment with a promise in Ephesians chapter 6. So in the Old Testament, this was very much connected to the covenant that God made with Israel. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we can see that there are covenant blessings as well as covenant curses. Covenant blessings for obedience, covenant curses for disobedience. And so if you were to disobey God and disobey his commands, one of the curses is that you would live a short life. And that you'd be quickly cut off from the land that God was giving his people. But to honor the Lord and honor his commands in the book of Deuteronomy was attached with it the promise of God's blessing and long life in the land. Now, I think one of the things that we can see, especially now that we're not in Israel or Palestine or in the promised land, we're not living under this old Sinai covenant anymore. So how does this promise apply to us? I think it would apply to us in a very similar way that a proverb like Proverbs 22, verse 6 would apply. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, we know that, in, that generally speaking, when a child is brought up correctly and brought up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, that they will go the right path. But we also know that, they're, that it's not an absolute guarantee, right? It's proverbial wisdom. It's proverbial wisdom. This is how things generally operate in God's world. But there are exceptions. There are times when people who are righteous, they don't live a long life. Jesus is probably the clearest example of that. 
There are times when people do honor their father or their mother, but they don't live a long life. So this is a general principle, a general proverbial principle. And it probably should be regarded in that way that that generally speaking, those who honor their parents, they will avoid the problems and the pitfalls of life that might lead to a shorter one. One commentator puts it this way, Dwayne Garrett, he says in his commentary, he says, how is it that respect for parents contributes to a long life? The answer, I believe, is that parents are the first and foremost representatives of the authority structures of life. That is, those who respect their parents will not have trouble dealing with another authority in life. Be it government, business, the military, or society in general. From a habit of respecting parental authority, one learns that there are rules that govern life and that there are people who rightly are in a position to enforce the rules. Such a person will respect laws, school rules, and company policies, as well as the police, teachers, and employers. He will not have in his company file the notation, quote-unquote, has trouble with authority. And because he doesn't have that in his file, he is less likely to be fired from his job. He will not be expelled from a university for disorderly behavior or cheating, More generally, such a person will understand that rules govern all of life and will not do such things as trying to drive a car while intoxicated, which will quickly cut your life short. Those who, out of their relationship to their parents, learn respect for authority, avoid the calamities that befall people who do not, and so are far more likely to be healthy, at peace, and to live long. And so it is a general principle of life. What does the New Testament say about this command? Again, this is a command that is quoted in the New Testament several times. Paul quotes it in Ephesians 6.1 and he applies it to children. Obey your parents. One of the interesting ways that, that it is quoted in the New Testament is Jesus. Jesus quotes it in the New Testament in Mark chapter 7 and applies it not to young people, not to children, but he applies it to adult children. And the way he applies it is he says to the Pharisees in in Mark chapter 7, verse 10, Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer, excuse me, you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. In other words, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees had this absurd rule and tradition that if you dedicated a portion of your wealth or a portion of your possessions to God and you sanctified it, declared it Corbin or dedicated to God, that in essence, it could not be given to anyone else. The problem with that is, is that it couldn't be given to anyone else like parents who might be in need of gifts. But the problem is, is that they kept it themselves, right? So they kept it themselves, they kept it in their own home, they kept it in their own coffers, but because it was quote-unquote dedicated to God, it wasn't allowed to be gifted to anyone else. 
It's a very legalistic way of handling it, wasn't it? Kind of a lawyer trick. And Jesus called him out on it and said, basically, through your traditions, you are disobeying the fifth command to honor your father and your mother. And so he's saying, you need to provide and take care of your parents in their old age. In Micah chapter 7, as well as in Matthew and Mark, we see that society and the, the downgrade, the devolution of society is linked with disobedience to parents. That as these authorities are disrespected, all of society begins to break down. Jesus demonstrated perfect obedience to this command, didn't he? A couple of occasions in particular, I think, that Jesus honored his parents One was when he was found, when he was 12 years old in the temple, discussing the word of God and and asking questions and answering questions with the teachers of the law in the temple when he was 12 years old. Joseph and Mary were worried about him. They came looking for him. And he said to them, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Expressing to them that he knew even at that age that he was the divine son of God. But then it says that he submitted to them. And he went with them, honoring their authority. We also see Jesus' care and love for his mother. When as he is dying on the cross, he says to John, his apostle, Behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. In other words, Jesus was, in a sense, transferring his responsibility to care for his mother in old age, he was transferring that responsibility to John, his beloved apostle, as he was dying on the cross, honoring his mother. How should we apply this command today? Well, I think clearly children need to obey their parents and they need to obey them with a good attitude. But on the flip side of that, parents, we have a responsibility not to lord it over them, right? Paul says in Ephesians 6 that parents, fathers should not exasperate their children, should not provoke children to wrath. And so we should not lord it over our children, but children should honor and obey their parents. Parents need to instruct their children the commands of God and the teachings of Christ. How will children learn how to obey and honor their parents if it's not taught to them? I think a great way that we can show our children how to honor their parents is by us honoring our parents in their old age. Parents need to do what is right and show honor to their parents. And as they honor their aging parents, their children will see that and honor them and hopefully give them the same respect when they get older. This command is also beyond just fathers and mothers. This command is, it's kind of like it's a, it's a principle, it's a seed command in which out of it springs all kinds of applications to all kinds of authorities in life. And so this is to honor all God-ordained authority, whether it be teachers, government officials, police officers, anyone who is in a position of authority that is worthy of respect. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 13, give honor to whom honor is due. And so as Christians, we need to honor God by honoring the authorities that he has providentially placed in our lives. 
whether that be as children, honoring our parents and teachers, or as adults, honoring our aging parents, or honoring the other authorities that God has placed in our lives, our employers, our civic authorities. These have been placed there by God to guide us and to help structure our world. And we honor God when we honor those God-placed authorities. And so may we, as his new covenant people, reflect the grace that he has given to our lives by the way that we honor and respect not only him, but the ones that he has placed in our lives to guide us and to protect us. So may we honor our fathers and mothers and our teachers and our bosses and our governors and, and mayors and all those that have been placed in our, in our life to guide us and to watch over us. So may we honor God in this way. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we come before you tonight and we acknowledge, Lord, that we are far from perfect in obeying this command. That there have been many, many times in our lives where we have not obeyed the authorities in our lives. We've rebelled against that authority. We've wanted to do our own thing and go our own way. There have been times when we've given half-hearted obedience or obedience out of a bitter or begrudging heart. There have been times where we have not given honor to those that honor is due. So, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and we thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ has stood in our place. And that the one who has given perfect honor and is worthy of all honor has given himself for us and stood in our place. Lord, as your people, help us to honor the ones that you've put in our lives. Help us to honor you as we worship you, Lord, as we love you with our, all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to honor the ones that you've given to us to guide us, to mold us, to protect us, to watch over us. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that your spirit would continue to apply it to our hearts even after we leave later this week and beyond. Lord, may your spirit bring these words back to our minds and help us to put these words into practice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.